this is Women Rising, as you already know, and today's guest is Ruth Macias Greenberg. I'm very excited to have Ruth. I say that about all my guests, but um, she is quite a woman, uh, quite a woman. She won an award. I have it written down here, Ruth, oh, no. um, because I was taken aback by this statue that you built mm -hmm. in uh, the, uh, the roundabout by Coaling Island. I'm not sure what that street is called, but you were uh, basically, um, it was to celebrate the anniversary of the Gibraltar Women's Association, 50 years. They've done so much for, for women in Gibraltar. So what an honor to win to win that award, not to, to design. Yeah, it really was. It, it was amazing, yeah. And, and that's how I suddenly thought, wait a minute, my friend Ruth is quite a, an up-and-coming architect and I need to find out more about you. So I wanted everyone to hear. I know you're quite unassuming and you don't like this sort of thing. So I'm, At all. <laughs> <laughs> but with you, it's so, okay. Good, I'm glad. So it's really good that we're here. So yeah, let, let's start there as a starting point. Um, it's a, a tribute to women. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think, I mean, as, as an architect, sometimes it's difficult to filter down ideas and especially when you're trying to represent so much, you know, it's quite a, a vast subject. Um, so as a design, what we try to do is something that um, actually demonstrates this about women um, and the sort of how how vast the array of what a woman can be. Yeah. Um, so what we did was use the sun's path uh, and the shadow that it casts um, to change the shape uh, of the woman as, uh, you know, there's a cutout woman. Yes. Um, and the, as the sun sort of passes, uh, sort of crosses the sky, um, it'll cast different size shadows, um, which almost is, a, is symbolic of how both physically and um, as people, how different and, and the array um, of qualities uh, women can have in in sort of in our society. So, did you enter a competition? You yes, did. There was yes, a competition. Right. There was right. a competition a few years before it was actually uh, constructed. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I entered that. And you had some help with Ermelinda Duarte. That's right. It was amazing to work with her. I mean, she's I didn't very know her talented. Before. Seen, yeah, she's very talented, and, her, yeah. and I'm so happy I had the opportunity to meet her just. Uh, because of this uh, sculpture because i mean i think our friendship has you know been very strong um and she's she's really and i watch her her work a lot as well um so yeah it was it was fantastic uh, even for that to to have had that opportunity yeah and there it is forevermore and every time i go past i do think of you and i'm sure a lot of people do and i always tell my children you know that was designed by my friend <laughs> and they always say yeah. mama what does it mean what is it and i said yeah. well and i and i knew that because i remember at the time I, yeah. I read the story about the woman um changing how how do you start to even imagine ruth i mean you're an architect you've been an architect for how long so um, I've been an architect for a qualified architect for 12 years. But as you've just heard uh, from yes. some of my colleagues, it's quite a process to get there. So, yes. um, and I had a couple of uh, babies in between as well. So, yes. so <laughs> I know a, I've got a yeah. friend who's an architect, yeah. David, um, and he studied at Brooks University. He did his, yeah. his four years after the first few years yeah. or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was like much, quite a lot older than me, but still studying. Yeah, never ending, <laughs> never ending. So it's like a seven year degree, you know, in um, the end or something. Yeah, I think it's a minimum of seven years, but then the experience has to sort of tally with when the exams are and also 
Um, seven years is bang on the minimum because of the experience that you need to gather in different parts of uh, projects. Um, so it's very, I, I mean, I don't know anybody who's done it bang on seven years just because of yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. And how, when do you realize that you're good at this sort of thing, that you can draw and that you can design buildings? I mean, to be honest, I hated my degree. <laughs> I really hated my degree. I Ooh. actually went into architecture because I loved art and I loved maths. Um, and it just seemed that... Good combination, um, no? Yeah, it seemed that mm. on paper, it mm. seemed to be that architecture might be the way to go. Um, and because, you know, as, as with most 18-year-olds now that I'm the mom of a 16-year-old, you, you know that it's uh, very rare that actually somebody knows what they actually want to do in life. Um, so I thought, well, I'll start architecture since I'm not quite sure what else I might like to do. Um, and I really did not enjoy my degree at all. And having to do all. seven years and something well, that no, you don't... Well, no, I did the first three years is the actual BA. So, okay. So the BA part I didn't enjoy. But when I finished my degree, again, still quite young, I guess, 21, 22, still didn't know a direction, thought I didn't like architecture, but I thought, oh, I might as well start working in a practice yeah. just because I didn't, again, didn't know what else to do. So I thought I'll do something. And as soon as I started working, I loved it. And I knew, I knew it was for me. Um, as soon as, I mean, probably in the first week, I thought, wow. I love where, did, where did you do, where did you study? I started in Manchester. Good um, place. Yeah. <laughs> very good place. Uh, it's quite... It's a very prestigious. Gray, yeah. A little bit grey as far as uh, weather, yeah, but um, that's UK in general. Mm. Um, I think part of the influence of uh, why I didn't like my initial degree was maybe the, the climate and, and the impact that has no, on, on people. I think culture shock from Gibraltar mm. and Israel, where I'd been just before. Um, but then I started working in Richmond, uh, living Down in London. South. Exactly, yeah. And that was a bit more plum. Well, the weather's still a bit. No, it's still, I think I just got used to it. <laughs> I just acclimatized. It just took me three years. Um, so you, you really, um, loved it. You thrived when you were, when I, you were studying. I loved it. I think it, what it was that, um, I think, and I see the value now is that in the architecture sort of degree, sort of initial three years, they try and open up your mind um, quite a lot. So you go way out there with ideas. So ideas mm. are not really usually feasible. Exactly. Yes. But they try and make you go out there. And for me, I think what was drawing me back was my logic. And I thought, no, but this can't be like, you know, in real life, you could never design a, a 50 story building on one column, even if it has a very good concept. Um, but now I see why they did that. I think you do need to even now go out there sometimes with ideas if only mm. to hone them back to make them realistic from many points of view. I suppose being out of your comfort zone as well, if you say you're yeah. quite logical and there's a certain way of doing things, thinking yeah. out of the box is challenging you the whole time, which makes you grow, no, as a, pers as a person. Yeah, I think I, well. I think I would have probably um, seen, because I see the value of it now, I probably, if I did it all again, I probably would enjoy it. Um, I think at the time, I think I was puzzled a little bit. Um, uh, so I think that's yeah. what was going on. Not a bad thing. At the time. Probably. They probably, like you say, <laughs> probably, do it on purpose. Yeah, no? yeah. No, I'm sure they do it on purpose. Now I probably do that to our students. So <laughs> make well, them I'm think out the box you, just to bring them back in. When hiring an architect, yeah. what are the things people would look for? I mean, what is important about being an architect? Um, so I think there's quite a, an array uh, of qualities. And I think depending on uh, what position and what role, 
um, I might look for it. If, if they're going to be project leading, I'd probably look for a leader type. Mm. But on the other hand, sometimes I do need uh, sort of architects to form part of a team at maybe at, um, below a leader, project lead. Um, and therefore, sort of that teamwork aspect is very important. And again, depending on what phase of the project, so earlier phases, I tend to look for the more creative sort of out-of-the-box mm. types. And latest uh, stages of projects, when it gets more to technical design, I do look for the more technical uh, qualities. So, so you hire temporary staff for projects mainly, or do you have like mm. staff that are with you the whole time? No, no, I, I hire permanent staff, but it usually is triggered by um, an influx of projects. And therefore okay. I try and, especially if they're larger projects, which might go on for a few years, I do try and focus uh, the qualities that I'm looking for for the projects at that stage, mm. um, but with the flexibility that obviously those architects are going to be working on other projects as well. So it's a little bit of both, I would say. Okay. And tell me something, do you have a signature style? This is how I've been Ooh. looking up, I've been looking up. <laughs> okay. And some architects apparently do have a certain yeah. style. Um, what would you say yours was? Ooh, okay. So I think, I think potentially um, we might be known for more contemporary style of architecture. Um, but I have to say that working in Gibraltar, I do sometimes get asked, uh, are you focused on a particular sector? Um, and what I always say is that uh, somewhere like Gibraltar, you need to um, have a wider range. Because yeah. actually, if you were focused on education, for example, you know, recently it's been great. There's been quite a few new schools constructed. But actually, if you were focused on education, probably from now onwards, not have a lot of work. Um, and I think it's the same with style, I think, and I, and I quite like that about Jib, is that um, depending on the scenario, we might think of a project in a different way, whether it's in an old town or in the or in Devil's Tower Road. I think you're you're quite spoiled for choice here in Jib because it's quite eclectic. Mm. No, there's yes. quite it, there's quite an array of um, different things you can do. Yeah, it's it's never the same yeah. kind of concrete jungle. No, there's always something to inspire design mm. um, on any site, whether sure. it's, it's because it's in the old town and. Usually there are so many stories associated with uh, the history of, of Jib in different areas that there's always mm. something that we can draw on for inspiration, which and, is amazing. And you have to, I guess, when you're doing things, working like for the heritage stuff that's like mm -hmm. super important that you don't change too much. How do you, how do you stick to the rules? It must be really hard when you're creative and, and you, you know, you have ideas, yeah. but you have a certain, I yeah. suppose, thing that you've got to stick to yeah well actually with heritage i find um that there are two schools of thought um i think there are some who believe that actually you should mimic uh, a, a building if say you want to extend the building mm. that you should copy what's there already so that it doesn't jar the uh, vision too much there are others that uh, believe uh, that actually mimicking is somewhat disrespectful because you're not um you're almost diluting uh, future generations to know what was there originally and what was newer and perhaps of our age and in fact if you look through history uh, every generation will add their style to the history books of the styles of architecture which at the time was probably um, considered very contemporary at the time. Mm. So even if we look at Victorian architecture or, or Georgian, at that time, they were all um, 
sort of quite groundbreaking, super modern, sort of for, the super time. modern for the time. And then you look at the building and you can see the different stages yeah, of exactly. it as it goes up. No, so, gonna... Yeah, so I actually believe that we mm. need to add our part of the story. And and I believe that the that part of the story will always say something about your generation. So what I would like our generation to say is that actually we started to have uh, awareness of sustainability and and green architecture and um, accessibility as well, uh, which perhaps mm. um, past generations didn't have as as much, much possibly, um, <clears throat> although that could be argued in various ways. Uh, so, you know, it's about perhaps honing in on, well, what does what do we want our generation of architects to say in mm. the style of uh, architecture? I, I want to talk to you about sustainability, but I'm going to ask you, what are the biggest challenges that you find at the moment? With sustainability? No, just in general, but I, I know that you're really trying to... Yeah. Um, I mean, you're being very proactive and progressive with your with your vision of re reusing, recycling, um, mm -hmm. um, just just being greener, being a, a greener. Yeah. So, uh, architect. but tell me what your yeah. your challenges are at the moment in Jib. Okay, so I think with with the green aspect, I think it's uh, I think a lot of projects start off um, with the drive and the brief being that uh, we want this to be a sustainable project. Yeah. But actually, perhaps when we start to bring in uh, renewable energies and all sorts, the costs, unfortunately, at the moment don't Sorry, quite yeah. marry up. Mm. And it's very difficult to mm. justify them purely in economic uh, sort of uh, sort of mm. in numbers. Um, I suppose if money is no object, then you can do whatever you want. Yes, if money, but that's, I, I remember that's I haven't had a project like that yet, so <laughs> I'm waiting for that one. Um, but on the other hand, I think it's also a little bit about um, sort of educating ourselves. And I think this is when we can look at the past, is that actually green architecture doesn't necessarily mean solar panels. It's no. more, I think for us, it should be more about... Uh, the orientation of buildings and natural shading. Mm. And in fact, possibly if we look back at history, that was probably done better than what we do, how we do it now. Sort of integrating, you know, water features for natural cooling. Um, and in fact, we need to perhaps go backwards to retrieve that sort of, uh, the, that sort of strategy and integrate them into our current design. Mm. Wow. And I suppose the materials as well that you use, not for the buildings, you can yeah. also source from different... Yeah. I think that it, adds to the cost as well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. No? I think with Gibraltar, it's, it's kind of a different animal because um, perhaps worldwide in, uh, with architecture, people try and find uh, locally sourced materials. Yeah. Now, what is that, that, is that what you try? Do you try and do yeah. that? I mean, for us, local, I guess I would need to extend it out into Spain mm. or Morocco, perhaps, uh, because actually locally sourced, it's, it's going to be very difficult yeah. unless perhaps we try as much as possible. It's going to always be limited to reuse perhaps some of the rubble or whatever that's unearthed. But really, there's nothing that's locally produced as such. Mm. So we have been looking um, at... Uh, a form of timber construction in Bilbao, which, I mean, relatively close by, I guess. Um, I'm wow. trying to sort of see whether that could be used in Gibraltar. But I think one of the challenges in Gibraltar is that, um, you know, with things, uh, buildings are constructed in a certain way with concrete frame and, and there are, there's a local knowledge and technical expertise to do that. And also the risk factor is always going to be less if you construct it as, uh, the usual, no, which mm. is concrete frame, is concrete frame or steel frame. 
going out of the usual. I think it takes a certain sort of developer to want to take that risk if it adds up economically was, in the first that place. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, talking about developers and um, mm-hmm. and contractors that you're dealing with here in Chib, I mean, what's it like? Because it's, ma- I mean, I don't know because I'm not in the business, but um, mainly it looks to me like it's male-dominated. Um, are you the only female architect in Jib right now that's I- leading kind of thing? I thought I was when I when I arrived in Gibraltar. I don't want to say that with too much. Uh, I I think I was when I arrived. Yes. Um, I think there are a few more now, certainly yes. in Gamma here. Oh, so good. Well, that's good. So I think we're fifty-fifty actually. Yeah. Uh, how, which what? it's not something that I sort of strove to say. I don't quite believe in sort of setting numbers. It's yeah. Um, about but, giving everybody the yeah equal the best chance. person for the exactly. job. But how? Yeah. What have you found, Ruth, as a woman, mm-hmm. as a woman architect in Gibraltar when you came back twelve years ago and started your business? Mm-hmm. Um, were you up against some you know macho men who didn't you know? Oh, you're a girl. Yeah. Um, So when I came back to Gibraltar, I actually worked for another practice. Um, And I think at the time, and even now, sometimes I do a little bit of a stock take and I look around the table in meetings. And it usually is that I'm, I am the only person in, uh, the the only only woman woman in the meeting. Um, (laughs) Is it quite empowering? uh, Yes, although I quite like it when... It's it's empowering in a way, but then I start to question, oh, I wonder why that is, you know? Yeah. Gamma is a Gibraltarian-owned architecture consultancy. We believe in establishing close relationships with local stakeholders across the field, which has enabled Gamma to deliver multiple projects for repeat, public, and private sector customers of all skills, ranging from loft conversions to mixed-use high-rate developments. We believe in understanding your vision before we begin the creative process whilst keeping time, cost and quality at the forefront. You, our customers, are the most important element in the design process at Gamma. Please email info at gamma.gi. You brought up your boys and you've mm-hmm. been married. Your boys have grown up. So you were going through all this, setting up a business, moving to Gibraltar with little children in yeah. tow and a husband yeah. with a business himself. Because in those days he had his, his Verdi Verdi. How, you know, how did you cope with all that? To be honest, I think if I look back now, I think we really struggled. It was a yeah. real juggle. Um, at At some point we decided that one of us needed to let go a little bit of something or other because uh, we weren't quite uh, stretching ourselves far enough to to be able to cope. Yeah. Um, I mean, we coped, but it was it was a real struggle when we were both our own uh, sort of business owners. Um, and at that point, we decided that in fact it should be Idan who should um, uh, sort of focus on family life. I think he's much more. Uh, in tune with sort of kitchens and cooking and you cook though I, yeah but I'm not allowed anymore so which is okay very really <laughs> <laughs> usually unless I want to make a cup of tea it gets a little bit uh, tricky so you've done role reversal really and now you could say that but I think even saying that is yes, uh, even is saying not, that there yeah, are yeah, roles yeah. actually no what is, yeah, even no using roles. that as a statement um, um, yeah, I think we had the sort of the added challenge as well, where we had uh, a son with special, we have a son with special needs. And at the time, uh, you know, he, he had 
quite severe epilepsy, which also, you know, was very difficult to juggle, uh, sort of attending to school, you know, at least once or twice a week because he was having seizures. Um, so, and it's worked very well for us, I have to say. Like, I have to say that as a family, uh, for Idan focusing on our family life and supporting me in my business, because he also helps me uh, with my business. For us, it's worked really well. I'm not saying mm. that, that yeah. you know, everybody should do this, or, mm. um, but it, it, it's worked, basically. Yeah. It's, it's... And, and he cooks for you, which is, he is an amazing cook. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think that's part of the way it works because he yes. really loves it. You know? yes, like, yes. I think I would probably and do it as a functional aspect of living where you have to eat and sort of you have to and cook. And you really love this. much more than that. I love this. Yes. I have to say. I yes, love you it. can tell in the yeah, film. Yeah, Sitting yeah, here looking at it. you and your eyes light up when yeah, we're talking yeah, about do, it. So. I, I mean, some things when there are problems or stresses, and as there are in any work, Yes, um, I think, oh. What uh, is it worth it? But then I oh, it's worth know, it doesn't it. take more than uh, a couple of minutes before I, I think to myself, definitely. You've yes. built this business. I mean, you've got a lot, you know, everything going for you. It's it's yeah. wonderful. Um, you did a plastic free February. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I remember because I saw it advertised everywhere. Are you yeah. still going with your plastic free company? So I think it's uh, in doing that month uh, plastic free. I think uh, it's almost at uh, like an intense course where you sort of, uh, even if you don't necessarily follow everything that you did in that month, it suddenly has influenced influence us as a practice and even in our family life um, in, in making us more aware. Um, I yeah. think, uh, unfortunately, though, um, I believe that being in the construction industry, and the amount of um, sort of pollutants and, and waste in within construction, I think, you know, how much plastic we use uh, or don't use is very, very important. So, like it's vastly important, but I think a key focus for us does need to be in how we also design buildings and how they're used as well in order to make them more sustainable. Do you do that when you're planning a, a building? Do you put that thought Yes. Into the process? Well, we try to. Yeah, for sure. We try to. Is that, That's a, a huge driving factor. Do your ideas kind of, um, are you like the, the team leader here at Gamma? How do you run your business? So it used what? to be like that, especially yeah. as I was slowly growing from being one person in Gamma to two <clears> and three <throat> and now we're ten. Um, but actually now I do tend to sort of allocate projects to different team members and they tend to lead the project and we sort of touch base every week or so on the project. Um, what I did find though was that, uh, I was, I was becoming more, uh, sort of, uh, administrative sort of in my day to day. I was more sort of getting projects, making sure we were invoicing and, and all of that sort of thing. And I was really missing out on design. So I've changed again, sort of in the past year, two years, I've actually allocated myself some design projects because I really missed I was gonna, that element. Is that what you do now? I was going to say, what is your day to day? Yeah, yeah. So I've decided, I, I decided two or three years ago that, yeah. um, that I... You're doing I too did, much admin. I was doing was, too much yeah, admin. Yeah, I was doing too much down, management of other people. And actually, um, I've got, I mean, I have to say, I, I've for me, I've got an incredible team. And, and I think the more I empower and entrust um, uh, jobs and projects uh, in them, the, the I think the better they deliver. They rise to the challenge. Yeah, for sure. Are so, they a young team? Um, 
yeah, relatively for me, they're young. So they're young. Yeah. <laughs> and I think as I'm getting older, I'm thinking different. The age groups are young. But I mean, uh, your but, uh, ideas about sustainability and all that, you're you're mm-hmm. telling them about them so that they can pick up. I mean, they're learning from you as no, well. I think they bring it in. They bring it themselves. As well. yeah. I think I think when mm-hmm. I was in uni, it started to become a topic, Important. a subject. Yeah. No? Yeah. It started maybe it was perhaps one topic among uh, among subjects amongst others. I think I believe that now as 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 newer members of staff come in, I can see that it's filtering through that it's becoming a more and more sort of uh, central sort of subject to everything that they they learn in in architecture school, um, which is great. So yeah. I think it's it's coming from from below as well. Of well, I like to as, also yeah, from, it from above. So how would you say you're, you're a different architectural a different company to other other um, architectural practices in, Gib- in Gibraltar? Ooh, how would you how would you have the edge on your competitors? Okay, firstly, um, I think I am the we are the only women led architecture practices in Gibraltar, and I think uh, representing you know fifty percent of society is is quite a big important, uh, represent, important representation. Sure. Um, I also think that uh, part of my <clears throat> upbringing and background and every single summer job was um, you know working in my father's firm, which was a development company. Uh, and I think seeing uh, projects from the developer's point of view and living it from the developer's point of view, uh, I think did give me a lot. Uh, a yeah. lot, yeah. And I think when I meet clients and developers, I I believe I hope that I at least get some a different aspect, um, having actually lived it. Mm. Uh, and grown up with this sort of in filtering the in the background. Yeah, because you're one of how many children? One of six. I'm number four. You're number four. <laughs> and I was friends with your Raquel, your elder sister. Yeah. With her or, or Rachel. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. with Rachel and with Solly. They were my friends. They she yeah. going to the line wall with, with um, our nannies and we used to play. So because you were always quite a bit younger. So you're the fourth one. Sorry, I tell Solomon. Yeah, Solomon's the same <laughs> age Rachel, as me. Like, you're much older than me. Yeah, so. and Rachel doesn't live here. I know she lives in New York. No, she. Rachel lives in Israel, and ah, Clara in Israel. lives in New York. Ah, Clara lives yeah. in New York. But at least you've still got quite a lot of your siblings here. Yes, I so see. there's four of us here. And so it's. I really guess nice. coming back to Jib with the family, it's nice not to have yeah. your family here to help you out while you're. Yeah, I think that was a, one of the main driving factors yeah. why we came back to Jib. Uh, especially with young kids, and well, as soon as I moved, I saw the how how, yeah, how they, feel, they, they, made li- such a they live so well. It's quality of life. Really. Yes, and I think growing up with cousins is always going nice. to be nice. Mm. Um, friends is one thing, but family mm. is another. Is, is another adds another dimension. So a couple more things I want to mention: five hundred birdhouses around Jib in two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Who built? I saw a picture because I looked at your website. I thought I'm going to see what they're up to. Um, beautiful little birds houses. Who built them? So we ordered them, but it yeah, wasn't that them. simple, actually. I had a, a lot of conversations with um, Keith and Susan mm. because I think there were a lot of bird houses out on the market. So I wanted to make sure that the sort of little uh, bird hole was big enough, good for jib and, mm. and uh, birds around Gibraltar. But also, I found that a lot of these bird houses. Um, came in a lot of plastic packaging. Oh. So, um, so I was, we were quite careful to choose a supplier that would sort of bring them all sort of cardboard wrapped or whatever. And how um, did the whole idea come about? <clears throat> So I think uh, every Christmas we try and give like a little bit of a novelty uh, gift. I think we try and give something that sort of represents uh, our creativity 
as a practice rather than, I don't know, buy a bottle of wine and put it in a wine bag. Yeah. We wanted it's to say some. <laughs> we want it to be original. We want to, I think we try that um, our Christmas gifts say something about us. So uh, we usually brainstorm just before. Um, and one of my colleagues found this um, wine that came in a, a box that could then be reused as a birdhouse. So the oh, wine so box itself. The, oh. So that triggered it. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting? The other thing that we try and do is for the Christmas gift to then trigger something good to happen throughout the year. Um, so I thought, oh, it would be great if we could give these wine boxes and gifts as presents, to, as presents but then also commit to uh, something associated with that. So, and it was a really Very wonderful cool. project and it was really nice when the schools called us in that they decorated these bird boxes and a few of them are creating little bird communities in their playgrounds. So. And, they, and they tell you about it when you yeah, see them. Lovely. They tell it's so nice. nice. It yes. really is so nice. Good. Um, because I, I know, I mean, I would imagine as a teacher and, you know, head teachers, they've got so much going on that to have called us back in was really lovely nice. to see the, the effect of, you know, that mm. um, sort of distribution of birdhouses. And your name is 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 international a little bit because you've designed a a suka, no? Ah, uh, yeah. That um, in a, in a, somewhere in America. Yep. I didn't know what a suka was. <laughs> yeah. I looked it up. Yep. And is it is it La Cavagna? Is it the it's same thing? Cavagna, we call it La Cavagna yeah, yeah. here La in Cavagna, Jib. Exactly. So it's a Jewish feast. Yeah, exactly. Which happens once a year. Yeah. And you spend a week mm -hmm. praying and eating in this little hut type thing. Yeah. So there was, uh, I th we, we often enter these sort of smallish competitions um, as, a, as a form of team building and I think expanding our horizons a little bit. Yeah, out of for sure. And seeing, you know, interesting things that are going on around. Of course. Um, it sort of keeps us sort of, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, out interested there. out there. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. Uh, so we entered uh, this Sukha competition and again, we wanted it to be something different, something that represents sustainability. So uh, the suka itself is made up of vegetable crates, which mm. is also symbolic because it's a, it's a festival of a harvest and sort of a gathering of, of a harvest. So the crates themselves, in a way, mm. you're gathering vegetables, but also Very the cool. vegetable crates themselves can be reused after sukkot rather than, you know, throw away the materials you've used to, made this, to make this temporary structure. You could reuse the, the vegetable crates. So. Very cool. Just and also your, your seat that sits outside the ICC, for, yeah. which has a seat and a wheelchair space for somebody mm -hmm. who could sit in the middle and yeah. just join the conversation. There was one in America as well, not somewhere. Yeah, that's right. It's still there, actually. It's still in Portland, it's amazing. USA. Um, Portland. If we ever go to Portland, yeah, we'll, take, a, we'll sit on Oregon. it. It's <laughs> in Oregon. Oregon. In that's West very West. cool. I think, I think you're very cool. I think your whole outlook and ethics is... is you know, something to be admired. And I'm I'm really even happier now that I've spoken to you because oh, I think you. it's nice that people should hear that you're doing this. You don't, I've, I've never seen it's you. It's work, work in progress. But. It's great. I want I want to know as a last thing, Ruth, um, what what is your plan for the future? Where is Gamma going? And and how how innovative, what, what is the next step for you guys? Okay, so I think uh, we are very sort of privileged that we are at, um, at a time uh, in Gibraltar where... You know, there's, as you can see around here even, uh, there's a lot of construction, a lot of expansion going on. 
Um, I feel a great sense of sort of responsibility that we get this right because buildings, you know, are there for a mm. long time. My my children and maybe even grandkids will be looking at these buildings for quite a long time. So what we do now, I, I believe that we really need to get it right. So, um, so you know, where are we going? Uh, hopefully to a place where we can be really proud of uh, in the future, looking back at these buildings and, and structures. Um, as a practice, we're also looking at various projects in Spain and Portugal. Uh, we, we sort of love to expand our horizons in all ways. So uh, looking at projects sort of internationally, even if it's close by, is something as well that we, we are exploring at the moment. Do you think there are too many buildings going on in Jib? Oh, that's a good question. It's kind of like counter-effective, counter or else if I say yes, no? Um, I'm sure you have so, an opinion on how yeah. buildings are designed, built and placed. For sure, 100%. Um, are there too many buildings? I think if they're done uh, right, no, I don't think there are too many buildings. Um, but I think... You Some know, are not done right. Uh, <laughs> are they? <laughs> no, that wasn't quite well. I, th I, I think there are. There's a lot under construction at the moment, so I yeah. think time will tell yeah. if they're successful, um, if they create happy people within them, and yeah, they serve sure. the people in our community as as they should. Um, so, unfortunately, I think it's you know to to have a the only answer that we'll get with certainty will be with time. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we certainly are doing our bit to do the very best that we can to uh, to do the best projects possible um, well, that's for, good. for Gibraltar. I hope other people think like you. And one very last thing, the one that catches everybody else, who do you look up to and why? Um, I think I, I look up and down, actually, in <laughs> generations, <laughs> generations looking up and generations looking down. So um, I think my parents have obviously been a very mm. driving and supporting factor um, in, in my life. Uh, and I will always be grateful. Um, I, I look at my husband and his sort of support. You know, you're talking about role reversal before and the way that he's carried that um, with pride, you know, he's not just sort of like, uh, sort of, you know, Russia, mm. he's sort of been super proud that he's been mm. a stay at home dad. When I told him, I'm going yeah. to interview Ruth, this was at the beginning, because I always wanted to do interview you, but you've yeah. been busy. He said, she'll never do it. You know, she'll <laughs> never do it. She's too shy. That was his words. Should you get him to talk for me. <laughs> oh my God, I'd be here for a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. You need like a three hour, like series yes, or something. Yes, he doesn't stop. <laughs> Uh, now he's going to listen to this. And yes, good. Up. That's what we want. Um, That's what we want. And then I think um, my kids, you know, I was mentioning before uh, my son with special needs and the way that he uh, sort of sees through those challenges um, with so much optimism and happiness. Uh, I think, you know, whenever I have challenges, I, I try and tune into that. And the way that his brother also carries that, you know, within our family. Um, it, it's, it's inspiring, uh, for, for me. So, um, well, all I can say is that you're very, very blessed I in am. many, many I ways. I really, I'm, I really am. Good. Yeah. Well, it's been great to sit here and listen to you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. A pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Women Rising, a series of talks where I've chatted to fabulous and inspirational women exclusively about their lives and their losses, their struggles and their successes, and their contribution to this world where they are empowering others and making a huge difference in our community. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a huge thank you also to Beatrice Garcia, who has designed and painted the podcast icon. She's at BeatriceGarcia.com. Should you like to advertise your business on my podcast, please get in touch and please like and rate the show on your favorite listening platform and comment also if you can. And should you want to get in touch with me, my email is rougejib at gmail.com.